I just see a steep decline in the way the city of Fort Lauderdale is going. That's Ken Cooper. He's running for mayor of Fort Lauderdale, hoping to unseat the incumbent, Dean Trantalis. I think it's important that the people of the community have a chance to compare myself and Ken and uh, who has the best ideas going forward. Cooper and Trantalis recently faced off in a video conference call hosted by the local paper, The Sun Sentinel. The debate covered issues you'd see in any municipal election. And now we got a 200 million gallon sewer break that is just not understandable. Where we need growth, where we should have smart growth. Uh, We got more 30 and 40 story buildings with no parking than I ever imagined. We are in the process of doing a new master plan. Standard stuff. That is until Mayor Trantalis, with six minutes left in the debate, brought up something new. He touts his background in money management and his ability to deal with finances and so forth. In this episode of Oppofile, we'll examine why some campaigns wait for just the right moment to unveil their opposition research, and why others decide to dump it all at once. How much is a check for? A massive political operation machine, unlike anything a political party has used to date. There's so many stories about bad things he's done, it becomes almost like static trying to keep track of it. From Last 5% Media, I'm Joseph Radota, and this is Oppofile. Palm trees swaying, you better set sail. Florida saying, come on, Florida. Fort Lauderdale is about 20 miles north of Miami. About 180,000 people live in Fort Lauderdale, which calls itself the Venice of America, because it has 165 miles of canals inside city limits. Mayor Dean Trantalis was elected in a runoff election two years ago, becoming the first openly gay mayor in city history. I decided to run for mayor because uh, I realized that the, the people of this community were seeking new answers. They were seeking a different direction. Fort Lauderdale's tourism industry has been hard hit by the pandemic, and the city is facing a budget shortfall. Fort Lauderdale is choosing a mayor this year, and Trantalis is running for re-election. He touts his response to the COVID-19 pandemic, investments in the city's infrastructure, and the new AAA bond rating. His opponent is a local lawyer named Ken Cooper, This is Cooper's first run for elected office. I'm Ken Cooper and I'm running for the mayor of Fort Lauderdale. I'm a native Floridian, born and raised in Miami, went to South Florida High School, majored in business administration. According to Cooper's campaign website, Fort Lauderdale doesn't have room for the type of mishandling and hypocrisy Trond Hollis brings to the table. I'm running for the mayor of the city of Fort Lauderdale because I am sick and tired of the way the city is being run. Cooper's website adds that his successful law firm proves he has an aptitude for business endeavors, but it's Ken's down-to-earth and candid demeanor that truly makes him the perfect candidate to reset the history of mismanagement in Fort Lauderdale. On September 3rd, the Sun Sentinel held a video conference call. Rosemary O'Hara, the editorial page editor, kicked things off. And uh, here we are, a rescheduled interview with the candidates for Fort Lauderdale Mayor, Ken Cooper and Dean Trentalis. And I'm joined by Deputy Opinion Page Editor, Dan Sweeney, 
and uh, my husband, Tom O'Hara, former newspaper editor. So let's go ahead and get started. The debate between Cooper and Trent Hollis got pretty heated at times. You guys don't even know where the valves are in the city to shut the water off. I'm sorry. This is so mis... And I'm sorry to be aggravated. I'm sorry with my temperament. You know, I do have a great deal of patience, but I've kind of lost it. So many things that you're unaware of. You got more excuses and more sidetracks than I have ever seen. But Mayor Trontalis generally kept his cool and fended off the attacks. And then, about 80 minutes into the debate, he posed this question to his opponent. I mean, I hate to point this out to you, Ken, but, you know, you don't pay your taxes. You haven't paid your taxes in a couple of years. If you look on the record, you owe tens of thousands of dollars on back taxes on all your properties. And between you and your wife, I mean, that adds up to a lot. You expect the city to do all this stuff and people like you aren't paying your fair share of your taxes? That's totally, totally wrong. So when you talk about your connection to the city, when you talk about your wanting to do all these things for the city, you're paying paying into your campaign to, to fund your TV ads and your print media. Why don't you pay your taxes? The video of this call is entertaining. Cooper is actually perspiring. As Trentalis is talking, Cooper holds up a check to his computer monitor. It's a personal check, and it hasn't been mailed. I, you're, I can't see that check for the taxes. That's Rosemary O'Hara, the editorial page editor. Here's a check uh, what's, for the, what's the date on it? I just what paid him last that? week. Last I'm week? How, yeah. much, how much is the check for? It's $32,000. Trontalis jumps back in. You owe over $90,000 between you and your wife. You still owe over $60,000. The answer to that is they will be paid. And I just paid the IRS $64,000 over and above what we owed. So they're all paid. They'll be paid. I'm sick and tired of paying them. I'll tell you that. How did did they get in arrears? Why did they get in arrears? Well, that's a good question. I just have not paid them as of this date, but I can tell you by the end of next week, they're going to be paid. That's good because we need it. We need the money. So thank you for wanting to pay your taxes. This exchange illustrates something about opposition research. Sometimes there's a perfect window to use it. If you miss the window, you may never get a second chance. Trantalis released this information with just a few minutes to go in the debate. That meant Cooper couldn't address it and move on, raising other topics, maybe his own oppo research on the mayor, because time had just run out. And the late hit virtually guaranteed Cooper's tax problems would be fresh in the minds of the Sun Sentinel editorial team as they considered their endorsement. It'll be paid by the end of the week, early next week, for sure. New tonight, Democrat Joshua Mahoney says he is running for U.S. Senate. He's running against incumbent Senator Tom Cotton, who announced in August that he would run for re-election. I am Josh Mahoney, and I want to be your next United States Senator from Arkansas. In 2019, Republican opposition researchers began looking into the record of Josh Mahoney. They quickly turned up what an aide to Senator Tom Cotton later described as significant vulnerabilities in Mahoney's background. The Republicans sat on the information for months, allowing Mahoney to solidify his support among Democrats. Cotton's campaign held on to their oppo file even after Mahoney ran this blistering negative ad. Oh, 
GOP candidate Tom Cotton is losing by 10 points. That's what happens when you want to gut Medicare, cut Social Security, and essentially ban abortion. In Arkansas, the filing deadline for federal elections was Tuesday, November 12, 2019. As soon as the deadline closed, meaning that Mahoney was the Democratic nominee, the Republicans released what they had. That included a Certificate of Indebtedness from the Arkansas Department of Finance and Administration for nearly $4,000 arising from state income taxes Mahoney owed since 2014. Republicans also had a video filmed by a Republican activist hired by the Cotton Campaign in which Mahoney said he had no income of his own and relied on the salary his wife earned as a vice president at Walmart. That conflicted with Mahoney's declaration on his federal filing paperwork, as well as on his campaign website, which claimed he is a natural resources executive and owns a natural resources company. On the 12th of November, at approximately 2.15-ish, 2.16, Josh Mahoney announced his withdrawal from the U.S. Senate race via his Twitter account, approximately two hours after the close of the filing period. Senator Tom Cotton has no Democratic opponent on this November ballot. Meanwhile, back in Fort Lauderdale, Ken Cooper is current on his local taxes. Shortly after that disastrous video call, he emailed the Sun Sentinel copies of three cashier's checks made out to the Broward County tax collector. Nonetheless, the Sun-Sentinel endorsed Mayor Dean Trentalis for a second term. In its editorial, the Sun-Sentinel wrote, Memo to people who want to run for mayor. If you don't pay your income and property taxes, don't run. For Some campaigns wait for just the right moment to release their opposition research. Others dump it all at once. Politico says that David Brock, the conservative who switched sides and is now running a Hillary super PAC, is helming her plans to go after Trump, and he joins me now. Hey, David, first of all, is that true? It was Glenn Thrush who reported that you're the guy building the Hillary opposition research file on Trump. We are doing that. Yes, we are. David Brock is a former right-wing journalist. He wrote takedowns of Hillary Clinton and Anita Hill, who famously testified against the Supreme Court nomination of Clarence Thomas, accusing him of sexual harassment. In 1997, Brock switched sides. He apologized for becoming a witting cog in the Republican sleaze machine, and he wrote a mea culpa, Blinded by the Right, published in 2002. In 2010, David Brock launched the first opposition research super PAC. We're getting new reports today about a massive political operation machine, unlike anything a political party has used to date. They're watching right now. Brock called this organization American Bridge 21st Century. Here's how he described the mission of American Bridge back in 2015. We are combing through the records public records of Republican candidates. For two years now, we've been tracking and doing research on 
all the Republican field right now, and I think we're further ahead than any Democratic Party affiliated organization ever has been in collecting that data. This is a, a data collection operation. We have trackers. We have more than 50 young people out in the field in the states, uh, not just at the presidential level, but in every competitive Senate race. I am Pat Dennis. I am the research director for the Trump War Room at American Bridge 21st Century. Pat Dennis was one of the first researchers hired by American Bridge. He joined in 2011. After working on the Obama re-election campaign in 2012, Pat returned to American Bridge, where he's worked for the past six years. I break opposition research into two parts. There's the investigative side, which is finding new things and telling it to reporters, which is super important. I have an entire team that works on it. They're super smart. They're basically investigative reporters who work on our end. Uh, and then there's the other side, which is equally important. Nothing would really matter without it, which is taking all the information you do have and making it presentable, making it accessible, making sure it gets into the hands of the people who actually need it. Opposition researchers generally produce a research book early in a campaign. It's an attempt to put the most important information about a candidate all in one place. And a research book is generally written for a specific audience, and that audience is professional campaign consultants. You know, your pollster will take the research book and they will figure out what matters to people by, you know, polling them on the different things you talk about. Your TV ad maker will go through it and find the most effective storylines. They are made for a very limited audience. In my past career as a partisan opposition researcher, I've written a lot of research books. In 1984, I edited a 200-page book titled Vice President Malay's 20 Years of Walter Mondale. It was published by the Republican National Committee that year. Walter Mondale was the Democratic nominee running against Ronald Reagan, who was seeking a second term. Malaise is a reference to a speech Jimmy Carter gave in July 1979 at the height of the energy crisis. It is a crisis of confidence. It is a crisis that strikes at the very heart and soul and spirit of our national will. The speech became known as the Malaise speech, although Carter never used that word. We can see this crisis in the growing doubt about the meaning of our own lives and in the loss of a unity of purpose for our nation. Author and CBS reporter John Dickerson says that speech was historic, but perhaps not for the reason Jimmy Carter intended. It has come to be known as perhaps the most politically tone-deaf speech in modern American history. The first 25 pages of Vice President Malays basically paint Walter Mondale as Jimmy Carter 2.0. The book then lays out Mondale's liberal record on the economy, domestic issues, foreign policy, and defense. The last eight pages is a chapter titled Cheap Shots, including the time Mondale said to Jimmy Carter, I got this figured out. We're the nation's fire hydrant. What we wanted to do with Trump, there's so many stories about bad things he's done. It becomes almost like static trying to keep track of it. So what our goal here is to take this sort of internal campaign document and make it accessible to everybody. On August 7th of this year, American Bridge released its opposition research on Donald Trump. So that it's not just, you know, Trump is bad, you know the 15 different ways on a specific policy issue that matters to somebody that he has hurt them on it. They put the whole thing on a website, 
trumpresearchbook.com. What this website is really about is making the information into narratives, making those narratives easy to find at the moment you need them, whether you are a campaign consultant, whether you are a group doing phone calls to get people out, essentially anybody who's communicating on Donald Trump. There are multiple sections on Trump's mishandling of the COVID-19 pandemic, narratives on his personal corruption, and his myriad policy failures. So I was uh, drawn to uh, Embarrassing Buffoon. Oh, I like that one, yeah. (laughs) I just want to thank all of the incredible men and women who have done such a great job in helping with Florence. This is a tough hurricane, one of the wettest we've ever seen from the standpoint of water. The American Bridge Trump Research Book includes this item from a 2018 issue of People magazine. Trump met a homeowner ravaged by Hurricane Florence in North Carolina. A boat had washed up on his front yard. And Trump said to the man, at least you got a nice boat out of the deal. Yeah, I mean, and there are absolutely some dark topics in here. Um, (laughs) That is without a doubt. The book runs more than a thousand pages and seems pretty thorough. Dennis considers it a work in progress. Things are going to continue to be added to it constantly throughout the rest of the election. As our investigative team finds new things, it will end up in here. But I should say it is also in the works for us to add uh, a section on Vice President Pence and uh, his past, which I think will be very useful to people. You can find the American Bridge oppo file on Donald Trump at trumpresearchbook.com. And if you'd like a copy of Vice President Malay's 20 Years of Walter Mondale, you can buy it on eBay for 50 bucks. In the next episode of Oppo File. On the day I become mayor, the old political system that is dragging the city down is out. We'll go back to New York City in 1992 as a young opposition researcher gets an assignment. Start digging into the life of Rudy Giuliani. Because we don't want to be blindsided like we were uh, four years ago. Uh, Somebody approached him and he said he had this report and Wayne would have to meet him at the side of a a state highway in the middle of the night. (laughs) Join us for the next episode of Oppofile. Oppofile is a production of Last 5% Media. Our production manager is Caitlin Bruce. Our sound engineer is Jeremy Damas. Our researchers are Adam Melian and Lisa Wang. Andrew Greenwood is our designer. And our website is by Edgar Guerra. We'd like to thank Workhouse Media, Studio To Be, Chris George, Gary Maloney, Cassandra Pye, District Productive, R Street Recording, and our listeners and guests. For more information on this podcast, check out our website at www.opofile.com or follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Opofile. If you enjoyed this episode of Opofile, please subscribe and leave a five-star review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening now and share Opofile with your friends. Thanks for listening and please join us on the next episode of Opofile.